Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How's it going, Derek? Going great. Uh, anything new this week? Mm, well, you know, the same old, same old. But same I, old, same old. It's summertime. I, yes, it is summertime, and it's a great summer so far. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah, just been taking it easy after our big trip out west and back. Yes. Just, uh, yeah, now it's just it's time nice to take it easy. It's nice to have the free time, eh? And now, well, now all the honeydew list that I didn't do for all those weeks oh, is, yeah. is caught up and I uh, got to get a, we got to replace our deck this year. I think I'm just tearing it out. Oh yeah? I don't think I'm going to put a deck. I'm going to put grass stones? and patio stones. Because hmm. you know what? We don't use the full deck. Yeah. So I might just get some patio stones, put them down with a little bit of a stone step and more grass. There's a pallet manufacturer in Bowmanville and they throw away all these broken and busted up pallets. Most of them are actually in good shape. I could bring you about 10 pallets and you could have a pallet deck in the back. That'll look classy. I just got to go to the back of my factory. <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> a nice pallet deck? A pallet deck. That'd be classy, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Paint it different colors. Oh yeah. Nothing but the bet pallets. The best pallets going. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I got to take my, uh, our apple tree at the back has grown. Um... In such a way that is crushing the roof of our shed. Oh, we got nice. one of those little aluminum sheds. We just, like in the winter, we toss in our summer chairs and yeah. back table and yeah. all that. And then the winter, in, in the, sorry, in the summer, we throw our winter stuff in our shovels so and all that. So mostly it's and then a place winter, for mice to live. Pretty much. And yeah. I think there's a chipmunk under there, maybe a couple <laughs> of rabbits. The rabbits are under our deck as well, but uh, I got to pull that out and I think I might just... I got to do a new floor for that. I may just pull that right out and put it in the other corner where there are no trees. Yeah. It's killed another yeah. spot of grass? Yeah, may as well. Well, there used to be a maple tree there, which got torn oh. down. Oh, okay. So now there's nothing there. It's a big oh. open spot where the dog poops. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> dog will have to poop elsewhere now. Maybe the neighbor's lawn. <laughs> yeah. Because that way I won't need to scoop it. Go, go <laughs> scoop on, it over the fence. Go poop on the neighbor's dog. Yeah. yeah. Go over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, now it's time we got to redo our bathroom upstairs and... Got to restain the garage door and the railings out front. There's too much wood in this house. <laughs> man, oh man. Yeah, so I've, yeah, it's all the, the honeydew stuff, stuff. I've got a lot of stuff like that too, but I figure I'd just let it ride until winter. And then you don't have to look at it anymore? <laughs> exactly. Awesome. It's all covered in snow. I don't need to see that yeah. deck anymore. Well, our dog, when it, when it snows too bad, he gets lazy and he won't walk off the deck. Oh, poops on the deck. He looks like, oh, well, it's snow. And then he just does his business right on the deck. Nice. Really? Really, dog? <laughs> you lazy. He's, he's 11 years old. I don't know. He's getting senile or something, but uh, I am not amused. So you got to shovel a little a path pathway. down the deck, so he can down the, the stairs to the lawn, and then a big circle oh. out in the lawn. Yeah. So at least he does his business in that one down area there. all the time. Right? So, but if we do, uh, like I said, if we take the deck right out, yeah, then uh, maybe I'll make a little couple of patio stones for the barbecue and a couple others for, uh, we're going to put our little um, outdoor fireplace thingy. Oh, yeah. And whatnot. We don't need the deck that big. Mm-hmm. We're never out there to, to be using the deck that much, right? Yeah. So, it's a lot of money to replace it too. So, I'd rather have grass. <laughs> yeah. Grass is better. Grass is easier too. Yes. So, so what else is up? Uh, not much, but I just, I did, I was thinking the other day, like it's nice to have free time and finally my summer vacation came and went and, and I had this, uh, explore magazine from like spring and I finally got to, um, got to read it recently. And, uh, there's one of one of the articles, uh, anybody who reads explore, knows Will Gad and he has Gad's truth in Explore. Anyways, uh, his article from the spring, it was, uh, it was about electronics in the backcountry. And, uh, so I, was, I, th- I wanted to talk about that and, uh, it was an interesting article and he talks about him and his dad, how his dad still swears by no electronics, right. basically a headlamp and that's it. But Will Gad has, uh, he's, he, he likes the fact that there's electronics out there and there's a couple electronic devices that he swears by. Like, you know, he talked about back in the day where the only electronic thing he had was a headlamp that, and it, it sounds so familiar, a headlamp that basically its life was counted in minutes because the battery would be used up so quickly, right? But now with uh, rechargeable batteries and, and solar chargers and, you know, battery banks that are super LEDs lightweight, and... LEDs, you know, so your, your electronic devices can last longer. And he said, 
all of his, he, he said in the past, he, he always had issues with, you know, he'd have a map, it got, it rained on, it would dissolve and break down or, or he had to use the map to start a fire in the back country. And, and so he's, he swears now by, uh, he said, all he has to take now is one small device. He said his cell phone is his GPS, his maps, you know, his, uh, so GPS maps, you know, all the electronic stuff. You need no, the it's like an tree. iPhone or something, right? Yeah. It's got everything in it. It's got everything on it that yeah. you'd need, right? So topographical maps, he has, everything is right there, right? And so, and he doesn't use it as a, a phone because it can't use it in the backcountry anyways. Yeah. So there's no He signal. just uses it for the apps. He uses it for the apps, for the mapping and, and whatnot. And uh, taking pictures and so on. And uh, But he said there's a few electronics that are of benefit. And he talked about uh, locators for, uh, or avalanche location de- uh, devices. And right. the avalanche uh, airbag collars and and bear fences. And I got I to gotta Google this bear fence thing. I just read this article the other day. And uh, so I'm not sure exactly what is involved in a bear fence, but if it keeps like, especially out in British Columbia or Alaska with grizzly bears and, you know, apex predator and all that, it, uh, it is, it, I'd like to see if this would keep the bears away. I'm not so worried about black bears, right? Yeah. They come sniffing around. Yeah. And... Black bears usually run from you, right? Yeah. But, uh, one thing that he said is the bane of his existence and he used some really coarse words towards people who do this. He said people with, uh, with Bluetooth speakers hanging off their waist or Bluetooth speaker backpacks walking through the backcountry blaring music. And he said the only solution for these people is a, is a rock falling off the cliff and killing them. And <laughs> he, he just, he, he was, he, in no short terms, he just basically lambasted people who wander through the backcountry with music blaring off their hip. And I can, I can so understand this. Yeah. Like, I hate it when, even in, uh, and you kind of grow to expect it, but in uh, like car camping with a family well, or car whatever, camping is, you get is people blaring music and it, I find it irritating. It's like, come on, listen to it on low type thing, right? Yeah. And especially in the backcountry where you're out there to get away, you're looking for that mental release to, to, to you know. Relax, stress-free. Exactly. Yeah. So I saw it, it's, it's an, it, uh, anybody who reads Explore, you've probably read this like a month or two ago. But uh, I just wanted to reiterate it because I did just read the article, but it's, it's very interesting, his perspective and, and he basically Bluetooth speakers are the bane of his existence in the backcountry. And he said he did some little un- untypical, atypical uh, research into it. And he, he basically called them out and asked them why, right? And he said, for the most part, people would blink in surprise that it was bothering other people. They just didn't understand that this could be a bother to anybody else in the backcountry. And and Oblivious, I guess it's, eh? yeah, it's the typical, there's, there's too many people nowadays that typically have that mentality. It's like me first. And, uh, so they blare their music because they're enjoying it mm-hmm. and it doesn't, they don't care that you're not enjoying it. So it's, it was an interesting article. It was, uh, I liked his take on it. I liked his perspective and it was, it was kind of humorous the way he, uh, he, you know, kind of lambasted these guys who do this type of, type of thing. Well, I've been on some lakes where you're sitting there in the evening around the fire and having a nice quiet fire, a nice little chat. And across the lake, you can hear music blaring. Yeah, you know, I heard that too. Like, I've heard people play guitar and I don't mind that. I don't mind when you hear somebody singing or playing guitar because it's, it is yeah. natural. It's it's. I don't complain about that. But if I heard somebody with some speaker blaring across the lake and you're like in the middle of like, you know, Tomogamy or, or Algonquin Park or whatever. It's, it's like, this is not the place for that. No, it's not, not at the all. place. No, no, but people still do. And they're, yeah, like you say, they're just oblivious to the fact that uh, yeah. not everybody's out there wanting to hear it. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating that people are so selfish that way. And they, they, well, I've, I've paid to be out here too. I can do what I want. It's like, well, you know, let's, there's a lot of things you, that you can but shouldn't do. Yeah. Right? So you said that was an Explore, the spring edition of Explore? Yes. Uh, William Gad? Yes. Will Gad. Gad's Will Gad. Okay. So yeah, if you've got the uh, episode, the uh, the episode, the, uh, that. Uh, I don't, yeah, the magazine. The magazine. The issue. <laughs> the issue, that's the yeah. word. I've got issues apparently. <laughs> if you got the issue of Explore, uh, give it a read and uh, see what he has to say. Apparently there's some harsh language. Yes, yes. 
Well, nothing that couldn't be printed, but he uh, he was very pointed. <laughs> yes, please tell us how you really feel. Yes. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So speaking of backcountry and yeah. speaking of, uh, you know, exercise and health and yeah. everything else that goes along with your stress relief in the backcountry. Yeah. Because why the, the reason why you go there. Why you go there. Um, healing properties of paddling. Let's talk about that. Yes. That's uh, one of the things that I've sort of been checking out lately. I've been uh, looking at, you go reading articles and you, I started getting out different things. And you hear things over the over time, like, you know, it's uh, my my church is the outdoors. And, yes. You know, I go out there to relieve stress and have a good time and, you know, mellow out, that sort of stuff. And there's been a couple of things, uh, Facebook and whatnot, that, you know, the little uh, memes or whatever that are saying, you know, um, go out in the back country and relieve all your stress and nothing's better. They, they say the back country is great for becoming healthy and, and all that sort of stuff. So more and more people are saying this sort of thing, right? So why do we go? Uh, how is, how does the back country heal us? Yes. And, and it is so true. And uh, I know I get the same out of it. It's uh, after a long winter of working and extra overtime and whatnot, it's, uh, you know, the, the, one of those first trips in spring, even though there's bugs, the first yep. trip in spring is, it's sort of like a pressure release. It's, uh, you, you can, it, it just like day two or three when the ringing finally leaves your ears and, and, uh, you get, start to get used to the smell of wood smoke and stuff. And, you know, by day three or day four, it's like, ah, this is awesome. Freak sigh just, of relief, just, right? And, and I don't know what it is, but, uh, the camping and hiking and canoeing and stuff like that. It's not very, it's not very difficult, but just being out the outdoors, I just want to nap all yep. day long. And that's what they're saying now. They're, they're trying to promote the fact that to release or relieve all your stress and everything like that, go for a simple walk out in the woods, out in nature. Yeah. Yep. Right. And that's what they're doing. So just to get down to the, I mean, the, the, uh, obvious exercise helps you get in shape. Being outdoors paddling, right? Releases required endorphins and yeah. stuff like so that. So you're getting in shape by paddling. That's what, you know, you're doing your paddling, you're doing your portaging, you're doing your stand-up boarding and, and all that stuff. You're getting your exercise in your arms, your cardio, you're getting into shape, better shape. Yeah. Four so, hours of paddling does that for you. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, being on the river gives your brain a chance to shut off. Yep. You know, being out on the water. Yeah, because you're just paddling and you're you're, you're checking your out yeah. the scenery, and you're not worrying about finances, and you're not yeah. worrying about uh, you know I got to get the truck fixed, and where are we going next week for dinner with the yeah. family, and what are we doing? I got to fix this, and I got to fix that, and yeah. and whatnot. You just shut all that right out. Uh, if you got a bunch of people with you, it's a social activity. Oh, and that's which is that's a big huge. benefit. Right? Because yeah. you're out there, you're talking, you're chit-chatting, you're laughing, yeah. you're having a good time. It's a, it's a big social thing. Reduces the stress. You slow things down when you're out there paddling. You're not in such a hurry all the time, you know, so you're, you know, your heart rate's not up, your blood pressure's not up because you're just mellowed, yeah. mellowed right out. Unless, of course, it's a big ass storm coming up and you're you know, <laughs> <laughs> too far <Yeah>. ashore. <laughs> and then it's just exciting. It's just <laughs> exciting. Am I going to get hit by lightning or a tree? <laughs> ah, either or, or both. Uh, but yeah, you know what? Anxiety, depression, stress, physical problems, uh, you know, like is, is getting your physical uh, side up, mental problems, mental healing. Yeah. All that, right? It, it's all in there. It moderates everything. It moderates your issues. It clears them out. It really does. Um, I mean, those are just the basic things. So there was a film that was um, shown at the Real Paddling Film Festival this year. Yes. Called Counterbalance. It's about a group of um, veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder. They, they've, they've all been over in, in war zones and come back and, and they don't know what to do with themselves and... And, you know, they're, they're not the same person they were when they left. Um, and as one guy had said, you know, I'm just on my way to be a, a statistic. 
Yeah, and, and what they're doing is they're they come back, they start showing symptoms of PTSD, and the and they go to you know they go to the hospital, go to the doctor, and they're heavily medicated, and and there's it's a lot of in and out of hospital and mm-hmm. homelessness. Psych- they lose everything. Yeah. Living on the you street, know, and there's yep. so many cases of this where they just can't deal with the memories, they can't deal with their experiences, or they they just don't know how. So a lot of it is trying to figure this out, trying to figure out how to get back on top of that horse, and not become a statistic, and get back into to being a social person. Yes, the one guy in the film, he says um, he joined when he was 17, had his 18th birthday in training camp. By the time he was 23, he was had been promoted a few times and they shipped out overseas to the war zone. When he came back, they train you to be a soldier. They don't train you how to reintegrate into society. Exactly. And that's the big problem. So long and short of it, you had all these guys, they got PTSD. They don't know what to do with themselves. They got them together and they took them on a rafting trip. And the rafting trip, they had to set goals you know, here's what we got to do for the day. Here's how we're yeah. going to get there. And they use stuff they learned in the military to raft. Okay. So they took their, their military know-how, their, their drilling into doing whatever and yeah. just used it. Setting goals and, you know, yeah. like, exactly. anyway, I guess we're, when you're, they're over, training. we got to get from this point A to point B. Yeah. There may be this in the middle. There may so be obstacles in the middle. They make it basically making it a mission and they're getting through. Yeah. And by the end, they, they had such a blast doing it. And they said they were, they were more relaxed at the end. And, and I, you know, like, like they, they, they were going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Yeah. And so they're now making these, these, these trips more and more. Um, there was an article I came across, basically the same thing. This one guy returned from um, overseas and ended up with alcoholism, cocaine habit, suicidal thoughts. And he was, you know, it's going to be a, a statistic. Uh, one of a, a fellow veteran took him rock climbing and okay. he says, the focus it gave me, uh, let me leave my troubles on the ground. Hmm. So he's so focused on the rock climbing, he forgot everything else. Yeah. He didn't, wasn't stressing about, out about everything else. And that was just the rock climbing, right? Um, and of course we've heard it many, many times. Something just as simple as a walk in the woods is a huge psychological benefit. Yeah. And I think for these guys, it's the ability to find something to focus on other than the day-to-day issues that Mm -hmm. you're dealing with. So instead of focusing on your next appointment, on the results of the the next medical test, the the, uh, appointments that you have to make it to or make it back from. And so all, all of those, that, that, that circling drain of, of crap that you have to deal with, this was just, he could focus on the climbing. Yeah. He didn't need to focus whatever. on any of that at all. Yeah. And I say is, it, it goes for the same thing with the rafting, right? So he's, this one guy is partnered up with the University of California at Berkeley back in 2013. And they're doing some research to prove the health benefits of being outside. So they're actually gone to the point where they were starting, let's prove this. Yes. Okay. 2014, they were running two-day rafting trips on uh, California's American River with a bunch of youth and and veterans Um, and seeing, you know, what happened on all these trips, like when when they were doing it. So after three years, uh, they did a three-year study, which is currently under review by a bunch of academic journals. Um... And they corroborated his fi- their findings and showed that veterans experienced a 35% decrease in PTSD symptoms after a single two-day rafting trip. That's incredible, eh? And he goes on to say one vet who took up kayaking and re- reduced the amount the Department of Veterans Affairs was paying for his medication from $25,000 per year to $5,000 per year. So getting out... Doing rafting trips, hiking, and whatever is worth twenty thousand dollars in getting out into nature. Care. Just kayaking, yep. hiking, rock climbing is worth twenty thousand dollars a year, <laughs> and your mental health. Yeah, and and the big thing, yeah, you get your mental health back. And you got to think, brings your family together. Yeah, right. These guys are married, and you know they're so they're, they're not. Their family doesn't know how to deal or, with them when they're back. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big part of it, right? I mean, these, some of these guys have lost their families and everything. Um, so yeah, this is ongoing and they're really saying like, there is merit to the old 
yeah. wives' tale, whatever you want to call it, the old saying, you know, yeah, get outside. It's, it's, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I came across another little article here just from 2016 last year. Uh, every year there's a Quebec foundation on the tip of the toes is the organization. It organizes, organizes an outdoor adventure trip for young people from all over Canada who are living with cancer. Huh. Uh, they provide participants with a break from the hospital and their regular lives to be put in a new environment outside their comfort zone. So you got to think, I mean, these people are, they're, you know, going through chemo, they're going through radiation therapy, they're going pills, and doctor's appointments, hospitals, hospitals, hospitals. It becomes your whole uh, life. Your, yeah, your whole life is dealing with cancer, yeah. right? Um, so they said, well, let's get them out of that because this is what they're used to now. Yeah. Let's get them totally out of that. And we'll take them way out. And they took these guys last year in 2016 to the Magpie River. They did an eight-day program, which included two days of training, six days of whitewater rafting and other wilderness activities. Fifteen participants were accompanied and uh, and supported by Tip of the Toes team, a nurse, a doctor, two program leaders, a social worker, blogger and a camera crew, and uh, a boreal... River crew, I guess Boreal River is the, the wilderness company they okay. use, um, consisted of six guides. This is a big group of people. That's a big group of people <laughs> going down the river, right? There was one fella they, they were talking to for this article, and he had been diagnosed with cancer, uh, 23 years old. He'd received eight months of chemo and radiotherapy and declared in remission in July. This trip was in August. So December, he was told he had chemo, um, eight months of, or sorry, he had cancer, eight months of chemo and radiotherapy. And then in July, he was in remission. Okay. So he signed up and he, he, he got accepted to go to the, on this, this uh, expedition, right? Yeah. Said the first two days of the trip were spent preparing the participants for the expedition. They learned how to take care of themselves in the wilderness, set up camp, prepare meals, uh, and key whitewater rafting skills, which he was keen on learning that yeah. sort of thing, right? And I mean, they all they all were, they all definitely were, and they're all sort of in the like in the same boat as he was, you know. They're all dealing with the same thing. Uh, next part of the trip is a few days of rafting combined with hiking, fishing, camping, the whole deal. Uh, they get time to uh, paddle their own inflatable kayaks and stand up paddle boards, that sort of stuff in rapids, easy rapids, right? Because they're, they're yeah. just some of these, most of these people are just new to it's it. It's not about challenging, it's about just being out there. Yeah. One of the big highlights of the trip uh, was particularly special because the group of organizers worked with the Inu community to name the second falls along the Magpie River. So huh. I guess it didn't have a name, I guess. The cer- naming ceremony took place during the trip and it was named uh, Tiptoe Falls in honor of the foundation. Yeah. They gave it a French version of Tiptoe Falls, but that's what it is. I'm not even going to try and say that. (laughs) Yeah. So this trip had such an effect on this fella. So since the end of the trip, he started working again in Montreal as a financial analyst. And they do a big quote here from him. It says, I was getting back to work a few days after the expedition, and I couldn't have asked for a better way to end an important chapter in my life. It was definitely the boost of motivation that I needed to help get back to regular life. It made me realize that I could, again, set myself new goals and decide where I want to go. It allowed me to grow as a person and has woken up the man I used to be before cancer. Huh. And that's the great outdoors for you. Yeah. And and there's so many, in my mind, there's so many similarities between a soldier coming back from war with PTSD and somebody who's battling cancer. And obviously there's some drastic differences, but... Basically, they are, the the PTSD is all-encompassing, cancer is all-encompassing. Yeah. And just to get out, get your mind off it, refocus your energy, refocus your mind on something not so dark and dire. It's it's like cracking a window and showing somebody a ray of sunshine. It's like it's it can reinvigorate and, and heal you and make you better. And I don't know if this works for everybody, but I imagine it should work for everybody. It's just, it's so simple. Just getting out there, physical exercise, fresh air, enjoying the exercise, 
you set yourself your own little daily goals, your, your week-long goals, and it's the ability to clear your mind and refocus. It's just, it's just taking a step back, taking a deep breath. Yeah. You know, that's what the, that's what a, a weekend trip is for, a week-long trip, just to take a step back from the regular day-to-day grind. Yeah. And refocus yourself. And then you can step right back into it and realize, you know what? It's not as bad as... Exactly. You know? Yeah. There are, you know... Perspective. Yeah, a total different perspective. You know, and and yeah, yeah, like you say, it's not going to work for everybody. But, I mean, I firmly uh, always thought that people put way too much stress on popping pills. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's like we've become such a heavily medicated society. And it's just... There's various factors involved, but for the most part, there's these scientific studies that aim you towards this, that, the other thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, fix it. It's, it's we're, we're a fix it society. It's like, fix me, fix me. And yeah. you know, I don't think society has ever been so heavily medicated. Like everybody's, you know, every, every single kid apparently has ADHD. And and then and, there was the, the cholesterol. Everybody had cholesterol. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody suffers from depression. It's just one thing after it's another. Never it's never ending. Yeah. And it's like, give you pills for this, give you pills for that, give you pills for this. Yeah. The magic and solution. And I, I, I think, I think that's our big problem right there. And I mean, I find myself when, when work gets really stressful between, you know, between work and home and everything else that's going on. And I, even my wife will say, why don't you head out for a canoe trip? Take a weekend and, and go. Yeah. And then you do, you, you go out, you come back and you're like, okay, let's get back <laughs> at this, shall we? Yes. Right. Um, I think there's, there's total benefit. And like I say, I mean, people are out there now, I mean, you get the universities going out there and they're, they're proving it. You know, it's not just somebody saying, Hey, uh, let's go out and, you know, it'll clear your thoughts. It'll clear exactly. your head. It's, uh, oh, it's all good. Well, there's, there's one thing that kind of, and I, 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 I am pretty mellow normally anyways, but, uh, somebody who I think from anecdotally from hearing his wife talk about it and hearing him talk about it is, uh, Mike Burns, Mikey B. He, um, he often related to me that how he'd be this big bear and his wife would be like, okay, it's time for you to go camping. Get out, get in the woods, get away from me, come back normal again. Yeah. And so it works for Mike, right? He's, uh, he, he turns into a bear after too much work and his wife orders him, orders him to go camping. (laughs) I wonder if he, uh, that's actually the truth, or he just says, you know, I want to go camping. How can I get myself to I go should camping? Act, I should, I should start acting like a big wiener, and then she'll just kick me out of the house. And she'll be I'm, happy ah. to have me go solo camping. Yeah, he's got it all figured out. <laughs> men, aren't, men aren't as stupid as you think. <laughs> we got it figured out. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, you know what? It's it's definitely um, true. Get out, Get outside. You know, I mean, the healing properties of paddling, you know, you get on the water and, and you're just paddling and you're looking at the scenery, you're seeing the wildlife, hearing the birds, you know, you're out there casting a line while you're trolling across a lake or something like that, up a river, you know, there's, there's so many benefits to it. And uh, hopefully they can, you know, make strides and realize that we don't need to be medicating everybody all the time. Just tell them to get outside. Yeah, unfortunately, we still have way too many doctors who think along that lines. It's yeah. it's they they've been taught through their medical training that you cure everything with drugs, right? Yeah, and they're not the all drug that society. way. All not all doctors that way, but I think there's too many of them that are. It's like it's that magic bullet, right? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, well, we need to medicate you with this or medicate you with that. You know, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but it's it's the way we are right now as a society. Yeah, when all you really need to do is throw your canoe, kayak, paddleboard, raft mm-hmm. on top of your vehicle and yeah. head out to the nearest uh, body of water and chill out. <laughs> yeah. That's all it, all it takes these days. So, yeah, you know what? It, I think there's merit in it. And um, do some uh, do some studying on it, and you'll find that I think there there's going to be a lot more studying on the benefits of just being outdoors. Well, now they actually have a couple studies to base further studies on. Mm-hmm. And now that they've cracked the lid on this, I think you're going to see a lot more people participate in these these natural remedies to uh, to mental health issues, right? Yeah. Um, well, one of the guys was, one of the articles, a guy was saying 
that maybe insurance companies will start giving you discounts like they do to smokers. Perfect. If you stop smoking, we'll give you a discount on your insurance. Yep. If you're a canoe tripper, we're going to give you a discount on your insurance. Yeah. Right? Because you're outside so much. But because you're going on these canoe trips and there's bears involved, we're going to... <laughs> Hike your insurance too. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> just can't win. There's less chance that you're going to off yourself, but more chance that a bear is going to off yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to off yourself, but the bears just might. There's yeah. more bears than there are you. <laughs> so, anyway, that's uh, that's all I got to say about that. I just thought it was, you know, just the articles. I it is very is, interesting. It's very interesting the the healing powers of uh, just going out there and paddling. So let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Welcome back. Um, Derek, yeah, bike rafting. I? Yes. Bike rafting. How exciting is that? How fun does that sound? And it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's self-descriptive. Bike rafting. rafting. You got a bike and you're rafting. You're biking and rafting. <laughs> bike rafting. So obviously it's not a wooden raft. It's not made of logs. <laughs> no. It would be an inflatable raft. That's right. You disassemble your bike, you put it on the raft, and you disassemble the raft and put it on your bike. That's right. Bike rafting. <laughs> it's just like Sesame Street. Bike. Rafting. Bike. Rafting. See, you know, bike what I rafting. like best about this show, it's so educational. Isn't it? I've learned just like so much. Sesame Street. In the last 18 months, I've learned so much about 18 the outdoors. months, really? 75 weeks? Well, I think we're just short of shy of 18 months, aren't we? I don't know. I don't do math. We started in February. Oh, we're more than 18 months. No, yeah. we're just... February. We're two weeks away from March, April, months. May, June, July. Five, 17 months. Yeah, we're only a couple of weeks away from 18 months. Yeah. Wow. Edumacational. <laughs> That's us, buddy. <laughs> and for you those learned that, how to count. You can't see me. I just did that on my fingers. Because <laughs> he can't count to six February, in his March, head. April, May, June, July. Again, there's five plus the two is 12 is 17. Carry the one. Carry the one <laughs> to the exponent 57. And then you take the vector of the hypotenuse and uh, the circumference times pi squared. Yeah, 18 months. <laughs> well, I'm going to Paddling Adventures Radio. We're edumacational. Yes. And we we's hooked on phonics too. <laughs> anyway... Bike rafting. Yes, bike rafting. <laughs> Have you ever heard of bike rafting? Uh, not before today. Okay, so bike rafting is basically sort of a, a two, best of both worlds sort of thing. Uh, you hop on a bike, a mountain bike, a fat bike, that sort of thing. Most of the guys we've seen are using fat bikes. They're using and the fat sense. bikes, it does. Because you're doing a lot of beaches. Beaches and, and trails and, and stuff like that, yeah. right? So you have your pack on your back. You have a inflatable raft tucked up under the on the front of the handlebars. Um, you got a couple different packs on the bike itself, uh, being um, a takedown kayak paddle, helmets, uh, stuff like that. And you ride your bike for however far you can ride it. And then when you hit water, you blow up your raft, take a, the wheels off your bike, pile it on your raft, Put all your gear in your raft and you paddle across the water. When you're done paddling, you get out, you reassemble your bike, take your raft down, pack everything back up on your bike and pedal again. So it's <laughs> pedal to paddle. Yes. Right? It's actually quite the cool thing. So combining the thrill of off-road riding and the adventure of traveling by raft. 
bike rafting. Um, small inflatable pack raft, life jacket, paddle strap to your bike, and <laughs> regular camping gear, tent, stove, food. Yeah. Right? Now, the thing with Obviously, this... Obviously, you have to pack as light as right? possible because you're carrying a breakdown paddle, a four-piece breakdown mm-hmm. paddle is ideal, and a raft. And I, I'm, I'm looking now for the weight of the rafts, but... Uh, they're, they're fairly lightweight. You're not looking at a really heavy duty. But they're a fairly hardy material, though. It's a, yeah, it's a heavy yeah. canvas. Yeah, oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Canvas. Uh, uh, so, it's not a massively weighty no, item. but it looks like it's going to be somewhat heavy. Enough to keep you floating. Because some of these guys that I was, I was looking at are doing like rapids. Class two, three rapids in this thing. Yes. Yeah. With a bike strap to the front. Isn't that kind of like a, a, a bus with a bike strap to the front going like on an NASCAR track? <laughs> just saying buddy just saying um so basically yeah pedal to paddle if there's an area you want to explore by bike you can ride up explore it and then instead of just turning back and coming back your own the same route you can float down the river back Uh, you can it just adds to your your route so something that um you know you ended at at a river well now you can continue on yes right and then a river that used to end at a place you could bike, well, now you continue. So your little two-day trip can now turn into like over a week-long trip. Um, definitely got to be a, a, a minimalist because of you, you're not taking a ton of gear. I mean, these rafts you're looking at, they're, they're not very big. Uh, so you can't fit, like in a canoe, you put that big pack in there, right? Your big, big, yeah. big, big, big sea line pack. Yeah. You put that in there. Well, you're not doing that on this trip because whatever no. you carry on your back goes into the raft. Ask, yeah. So, and, and they're not wearing, I didn't see any of them wear their uh, backpack in the raft. So obviously you're going to mm. want to paddle. You don't want the backpack on your back. No, it's So it's going to go in. between your legs yeah. and the bike is going to go on top of the pack on the mm-hmm. nose of the, the raft. And so, and these guys, it looked a little awkward, but it was, it, it, it is what it is. You're you're not in a hard craft. You're in a soft craft. So you got to really inflate it to get some rigidity as much yep. as possible. And so you've got you know a fat bike is is not that light, but it's light enough. You know the more well. I mean, if you're bikes. doing this sort of thing, of course you're going to be spending more money on your yeah. bike to make it exactly. the lighter materials. Exactly. Right? And you're going to have to bring patching kits because who knows? Yep. You know, like you put a spoke or a pedal through the raft, you're going to want to be patching it and stuff like that. So, yeah. so a bike is not conducive to an inflatable craft. No. <laughs> um, and if you go in a group, the main gear that you bring, you can spread out. Yes. So, you know, like cookware, the food you can spread between however many of you are there, your stoves, uh, that sort of thing, right? Tents, you can spread out between everybody. So that sort of limits brings down your weight that you have to carry. Uh, people do go through white water, but should be wary of anything too big because you go over, well, your bike's gone over, your pack's gone over, yes. you're over. And, and that, yeah, so guaranteed you want to tie your bike firmly yeah. to the raft. Because nothing like getting out at the end of that rapid and finding a bike with one wheel. <laughs> oh. Unless you're a unicyclist, (laughs) I ain't going to do you too good. Uh, Portages would probably have to be done as a double carry, I would think. Um, Like around bigger rapids. You're going to do the boat in a pack, and then you're going to come back for the bike. Because I don't think you're going to do both. Yes. Bike and raft at the same time with a pack on your back, right? So I got to think those are going to be all all double. So there was an article on gearjunkie.com about three guys doing a trip in British Columbia. Uh, basically they packed their gear onto their mountain bikes and make sure they had everything they needed. Pack rafts, paddles, life jackets, bear spray, fly rods, nets, tents, sleeping bags, med kit, emergency fire starters, repair patches, raincoats, stoves, and of course, cameras, tripods, and batteries. That's a lot of gear. It is. I would probably forego the tripod. (laughs) Well, not if you're filming. But you could, you could, and doing time lapse stuff like waterfalls yeah. and that. I always take my tripod. I guess you're right. You can and there's buy lightweight. Some, there's some pretty lightweight ones. Yeah. Yeah, I got some pretty lightweight camera yeah. tripods and that, and for video and and, and filming and uh, from some photos and stuff. 
400 kilometers unsupported circuit by bike packing, 150 kilometers on an abandoned rail grade, then float 250 kilometers through the heart of the sacred headwaters before finally exiting the river on an abandoned trail that led them back to the starting point at the lodge they were staying at. A 10-day trip. So if you were going up for four or five days yeah. on the biking, and then four or five days back, same play, same trail that you just took. Okay, yep, yep. Well, now you go four or five days up on bike, and, and you take a total another route back. So that just route. opens up a whole oh, yeah, new... The, it's like two trips in one. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Right? So this ended up being a 10-day trip for them doing this. Um, it really sounds pretty cool. It does. And, uh, it's the concept of it is just kind of mind boggling for me because it it never, this would, it it never would have occurred to me to do something like this. Mm -hmm. And it's so unique. Like I've thought about, uh, you know, taking inflatable boats, like you take a float plane up like the Nahani and they drop you off and you paddle back or yeah. whatever, right? Or float plane up into... Uh, well, that's like the folding folding canoes and stuff, right? Exactly. The pack canoes and stuff yeah. like that. So a pack canoe or a pack mm-hmm. kayak or whatever. But now this is like, this opens up a whole new real realm of reality for me. It's like, oh, I could well, bicycle and yeah. float. Now I've never been, I mean, I've got a mountain bike and all that, but I've never been a, a big biker. Um... And, uh, I would not think of doing this because my bike would just be too heavy. Well, you, obviously you know? you'd have to buy a new bike. Yeah. Well, that's why it's never occurred to me doing something like this. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that would not going to happen with that bike. <laughs> that's for sure. Like I, and I was looking at some prices and, uh, I, I had been shopping for a fat bike there over the winter and, uh, just because they're, you can take them on snow trails and stuff like yeah. that right so anyways i never did buy one but the prices i were seeing were you know a decent fat bike is around and they either canadian dollars but 15 to 1800 dollars for a really decent fat bike which would be good for what you're doing yeah you could buy one for 300 dollars a canadian tire but it's a clunky heavy yeah. and you're probably gonna be fixing it all the time but for a decent name brand fat bike it's like 1500 bucks which isn't too bad and i was just googling some prices for the pack boats and you're looking in a range of about a thousand to eighteen hundred dollars canadian for a fairly decent pack canoe or a pack pack, pack raft? raft pack raft yeah which is in these rafts uh when you when you look online and when you look on the youtube videos they they a lot of them come with like a built-in spray skirt Mm-hmm. to keep you dry now depending on the temperature of the water where you're going like uh, we were viewing a, a video of guys who did this in alaska and so th- that's cold water so you're going to want uh probably a dry suit yeah. or you're going to want to yeah. stay really close to shore right? yeah there was there was ones that were doing the dry suits uh, that one in bc as well um the one in alaska we were looking at um you know a lot of there was a lot of beach that they rode on yes and i mean the fat Fat bike wheels definitely made made it better for them, I do believe. Yeah. But then there's other spots where they were lifting that bike. They couldn't ride. They had to lift the bike, carry the bike, right? Yes. Well, you're talking like cliffs and giant boulders and yeah. some, there's some shorelines that are, can be horrendous to get across on foot, let alone be carrying or pushing or trying to pedal a bike across mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah, but it did look pretty cool though, and just some of the scenery in that oh, as well. Just... Yeah, the the video that we saw and the still pictures on the on the uh, article of the, these guys talking about it is just fantastic. But anybody who's seen pictures of Alaska or mainland uh, British Columbia and the mountains, and it's it is breathtaking scenery. It's uh, it's something that it, it does take your breath away, and and this is what one of the reasons why I loved living out in BC so much is, you know, I got to go kayaking and you know on the Juan de Fuca Strait or just off Vancouver Island, and it's just the you have the snow-capped mountains to look at every day, and that that's your even just driving in a car, it's your commute. These beautiful mountains in the background, let alone how great it is to have the smell of the ocean in your nose as you're paddling along, you know, a shoreline of BC and see these mountains now combine that with biking and rafting it's incredible mm-hmm. it's uh, a lot of uh looks it looks really fun and you know what i could do a five-day bike trip and have fun oh, but yeah. i wouldn't want to do a 10-day bike trip you're yeah it, it, it's 
you, too monotonous, I think. Yeah. Just pedaling all day, and, that, and it's not like paddling all day. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> it's, well, it's different because with, uh, with paddling, there's... There's the coasting thing if you're on rivers or whatever. It's it, but for for biking, unless you're doing a road course, which I can't see any fun in that. A lot of guys enjoy it, but not me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to be mountain biking and doing back trails, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Just like yeah. I, I would uh, make it akin to uh, canoeing or kayaking and portaging. So yeah. the portage part is something that I put up with because. It's part of the process, but it's not, so I don't go on a trip and it's solely for the portaging. Oh, I can't wait don't for the you? next portage. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah. That one, four kilometer. All right. <laughs> what did, yeah. uh, what did, uh, Jim Baird call, uh, portaging or what do you call backpacking? He said oh, it was a long portage. Just a very long portage. Yeah. <laughs> a forever portage. But yeah, I definitely, uh, looking into that sort of thing. Like I said, a 10 day Five days up and five days paddling with even four days biking and, f- yeah. and, fi- and six days paddling with yeah. would be good. So the problems that you'd come across. Well, some of these problems I hadn't really thought about until we saw, and, and it was both trips, the Alaska trip that we looked on YouTube and the uh, BC trip, the, the, the big thing that, and, and it, kind of it's in your face you didn't really well because i live in ontario i only have black bears here right mm-hmm. so it's the grizzlies yeah that one grizzly chased them the freaking things are apex predators they want to eat you mm-hmm. and you're in that <laughs> tiny little blow up crack <laughs> you might as well be floating down the river on a balloon yeah right he gets one claw on that and you're exactly yeah you're pooched yeah um but besides the bears, <laughs> lack of proper trails. Yes, there's going to be an issue. Yeah, because your your coastal, your your uh, backwoods roads, your mm-hmm. you know logging track, trails, logging trails. It's it's not easy. Yeah, not, and and that's why the, the I think the key part of the whole thing is is the fat bike. And now you're talking interior British Columbia. I guess you could do it on a normal mountain bike because you don't have the sand and whatever to deal mm-hmm. with. But that but Alaska one, you definitely needed those. Most of the, most of their trip was on beaches. On beach, all different grade of sand yeah. too. You know, from very fine and wet. Well, there's a few times we saw that they had to push their fat bikes. It was because so it was so soupy. yeah, they just couldn't uh, do that. Yeah. Uh, then you go all the way up to really rough terrain, very slow going, uh, and you had to push the bike rather than ride it. Right. Yeah. Uh, a resupply. If you're not near a town or something. It's going to be close to impossible to resupply. Yes, and and where that complicates things is because you're trying to make the trip as light as possible. Yep. Because when you're on the bike, you're carrying this raft, which is has its own. You know, you have to deal with the weight of the raft and the pack, and the uh, and the paddles. Mm-hmm. But you, for an, your average canoe trip, you never resupply anyways, right? Unless you're doing like a twenty day trip. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. If these guys are doing 10 day. Yeah, you should be able to carry enough food in 10 food days. Food for 10 days, and, yeah. And expe- if you're expecting not to resupply, if you, you're not hitting any coastal towns or little outlets somewhere, then you know, it's you you just plan to be independent for the whole duration. Because mm-hmm. I didn't see them bringing um, fishing rods or anything. No, I didn't see that either. No. But you, you could pack away... You know, I, I've, I've done it before where I haven't brought a rod. I just brought fishing line and, uh, yeah. patch it to the end of a stick yeah. and go fishing off the end of a stick. Yeah. Or just keep it on the spool. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's ways to get around yeah. it. But, uh, I think I would definitely give this one a whirl. Um, I don't know that I'd go out and buy all the gear just to do it once or twice, but maybe rent it and try it out. Yes. I think that would absolutely. be a, a lot of fun. And, um... You probably do this in Algonquin. There's probably some, do the menacing bike trail or something to the top and then yeah, come yeah, back. Yeah. Right. I mean, it wouldn't be a great long trail, uh-huh. but, uh, at least a good start. Yeah. It's, it, I, I imagine there's a lot of areas this would work. Like, uh, you could, uh, up north, north of Sudbury and stuff, you know, yeah. Lady Elvin, uh, smooth water. There's a lot of woods roads and river travel. Definitely something, uh, to think about. That's for sure. Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. 
You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Well, Derek, that looks like it's uh, pretty close to the end of our show here. The the bike rafting, you said you found the weights, the uh, I did. rafts? I found the weight of a typical raft, and they're, they're about six and a half, seven pounds typical for a fairly high-end or middle to high-end raft. Well, that's not bad at all. Yeah, it's it's super light. I was expecting heavier weight because I was expecting heavyweight canvas. Yeah. So, well, maybe have to look into it. Yeah. So you buy it all and we'll go. <laughs> uh, thanks everybody for listening this week. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find our past episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our Paddling Adventures Radio website. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>